Welcome into the Housing Hour with Kevin Ray, a locally produced program devoted to bringing you a fresh perspective on housing, diving into the issues that matter most. The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray is presented by Mortgage Investors Group. Now, Kevin Ray. Welcome into the Housing Hour. This is Kevin Ray. I'm your host. I'm here with Mark Griffith, our executive producer and co-host. We want to thank you all for joining us here on this edition of the Housing Hour. And we want to uh, tell you how to plug in with us also because that's important. Um, number one, the mothership, the treasure trove of all of our information, our shows, past shows, uh, is going to be thehousinghour.com. You can go there click on any link that you like, a lot of resources that you can share. We'd love for you to interact with us. Um, and also, we're on all of the social networking platforms as well. Facebook.com slash The Housing Hour, and on Twitter, at The Housing Hour, and Mark is on Pinterest as and, well. And Kevin will Snapchat with you. <laughs> that's right. I do Snapchat. <laughs> so that's a little bit about us. Let me tell you a little bit about our guest. Um, Lorraine Carley is the Vice President of Outreach and Advocacy for uh, uh, the organization National Fire Protection Association and um, leading information and knowledge resource on fire, electrical, and related hazards. And this time of the year is certainly a time where we all need to refresh um, ourselves and understand um, fire safety. It's so important, so vital to the health of all of the people in our, our neighborhoods and the homes. Um, and there's a lot of new data out. So first of all, Lorraine, thank you for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. Absolutely. And we wanted to first get you to kind of give us the 30,000-foot view of what your organization does and why you guys are so passionate about this. Because I see on your website, and we'll have it up on our website, you provide so much information to our communities. Sure. Well, the National Fire Protection Association is, is actually more than 100 years old. Uh, we began in Boston in 1896, and we're devoted to eliminating loss from fire, electrical, and related hazards. Mm -hmm. So that means we, we want to save lives and property from fire. And, you know, back in the late 1800s, the kinds of fires and the issues we were dealing with back then were a little bit different. But today, uh, fire still remains a threat that people have to uh, think about and hopefully take some very simple steps to be able to keep them and their families safer from fire. One of the things I noticed on your site, you had some statistics in 2013, for instance, U.S. fire departments responded to an estimated 369,500 home structure fires. So um, with that statistic in mind, that may have grown in 2014. Maybe the numbers are still being compiled. But it seems to me that there might be a real gap in, um, I think, what people do out there in the real world and what they should be doing. Do you see that? Or maybe that number is declining. Educate me on that. Sure. Uh, well, in fact, we we tend to think we're victims of our own success because that number has gone down significantly since the late 1970s or so. Okay. But we still, that's a big number when you're talking sure. 350,000, and we're seeing about 3,000 people a year die in fires, but the majority of them dying in home fires. Uh, so it still remains a problem, but I think one of the challenges that we have is that 
people are a little more complacent about fire these days because we don't see as many fires as we did a few decades ago. So people tend to think, well, this isn't going to happen to me or things are safer than they used to be. And that's true, but the reality is when you have still a high number of fires and you still are losing 2,500 people in their homes in Mm -hmm. the place that they feel safest, our work isn't finished yet. Right. And and some of the reasons that the number of fires has gone down dramatically since the 70s is widespread usage of smoke alarms. You know, if we think back to when we were kids, we probably didn't have smoke alarms in our home. But uh, beginning in the 70s, people began to put smoke alarms in their homes. They were much more affordable. The majority of homes today have at least one smoke alarm. So that has reduced the fire problem by by a lot. Uh, Mm -hmm. We also have codes and standards that Uh, dictate how you build and what you build with, so that helps. And then public education, just letting people know what they can do to prevent fires uh, has contributed to reducing the fire problem. And you have um, another statistic, and that's good information, but also people are injured as well. That You know, you have 2,500 to 3,000 deaths per year, but those other victims that are civilian injuries, they might have smoke inhalation, burns, and so forth. So those obviously are still going to be victims that, you know, so you've got between the the injuries and the deaths, you know, we're talking about a pretty big number of people that are affected every year. Exactly. And, you know, if you are in a home fire and you're a burn survivor, those are lifelong injuries that are very devastating to that individual, to his family, to the medical community, because they tend to require lots of care, uh, surgeries over a long period of time. So we do want to reduce the injuries as well. That's a big part of our work when we talk about reducing or eliminating loss. It's um, the loss of people's livelihood as as they know it or their lifestyle as they knew it. Uh, So that is very much a part of the the fire picture as well. Absolutely. What are the um, top maybe one or two or three causes of home fires? The top cause of home fires is cooking. Mm. And usually that's because people leave unattended cooking on the stovetop. That's the leading factor in those those fires. Uh, So we're heading into the time of year when we have almost a perfect storm of fire scenarios because December, January, and February are the leading months for home fires because it combines a lot of the the big causes of fires. So cooking being the number one cause, uh, heating is another top cause, and you know we're all starting to put our heating systems on, use space heaters, use wood stoves, so those contribute to the fire problem. And then we've got a, a number of holidays uh, that involve decorations and candles, so those things as well can contributing to an increased risk of fire uh, during the winter months. And I think that December, being that you have um, Christmas trees that are out there, you have lights that are out, you know. Overloaded plugs. Yeah. Yeah, we've got a a lot of things going on in December that contribute to the fire risk. You know, we've got use of candles. People are at home more cooking. They're Mm -hmm. putting up decorations. They've got a lot of electric decorations in their home. So 
you're right. There's there's a lot of things going on at the home that that make for uh, more of a fire risk season. Is uh, December the number one month out of the year? Uh, December, January, and February are the leading months. I don't know offhand if December, but I'm guessing that it probably is. Um, we know the top three days for candle fires, for example, is Christmas, New Year's Day, and Christmas Eve. So those all kind of falling in that time frame as well. Well, that's just something that everybody needs to know because, I mean, we like to light candles and we like to do those things. But if you're going to be doing those things, hey, guys, the statistics are in and those three days are the leading causes. But let me tell you something. They make great electric candles now battery power candles that look absolutely real the flame moves and flickers in these things they don't they, smell though yeah they do well oh, they, they actually have really oh. yeah they have gotten so much better they look so real, real. Uh, and they do have the scent so that is a good alternative uh, mm-hmm. to candles but you can use candles safely if you just take some some precautions things like making sure that you keep them away from anything that can burn, that you put them in a, a sturdy candle holder uh, and extinguish them before you go to bed or, or leave the room. That's oftentimes uh, when we see the fires. I was at an office party years ago. <clears throat> it was a Christmas party mm-hmm. and, and at the home of the president of the company, and they had candles on the mantle along with live garland above the pictures of the man that those candles ignited and we had a a huge fire over the mantle. Everybody was panicking except a few of us went in there and put it out, but it burned up their carpet, burned up the mantle. It was terrible. Well, this, this I, wasn't I would imagine yeah, <laughs> that that <laughs> no. fire would go pretty quickly. Yes. Very quickly. Well, and that's probably the way, I mean, hey, guess what? That's the way people used to do it. I mean, it was garland, it was candles, it was on the mantle, and you just hope for the best. And now <laughs> today, we've become more educated and more information has, well, and has years helped. ago, yeah, you used to actually see people put lit candles on a Christmas tree. Hopefully, oh, yeah, right. absolutely. Something anybody would think of, but uh, you, you see those pictures from years ago where there were lit candles yes. on Christmas trees. Yeah, and I mean, speaking of Christmas trees, and I've got some other questions about, about um, the causes, but um, people need to keep their Christmas trees watered. Um, does, isn't that important? If yeah, they have a live one. <laughs> absolutely. One, uh, yeah, one, one of the most popular videos we have on our website is a demonstration of a well-watered tree versus a dry Christmas tree burning. And oh, yeah. a dry Christmas tree creates a tremendous amount of fuel in your home. They go up so quickly. And Christmas trees take a lot of water. Uh, you really have to water them every day yep. and good amounts of water to make sure that they they st- stay moist and if you have pets i mean this sounds silly but if you have pets you have to be careful because the pets will drink the water out of they there they drink the water <laughs> yeah and so yeah. therefore it defeats the purpose you have a well-watered pet but your tree is not watered <laughs> that's, that's right <laughs> and and you know we all like i mean we just went actually um two years ago to a fake tree and i was sort of disappointed um, because I love the smell, the you know, but it, the smell is not going to keep me from going back to it because there is a lot that goes into having a live tree. You could use a you know a scented candle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> now I noticed there was another statistic or um, something on on under home fires, and, and if you could just clarify for me more than anything, it just says smoking materials are the leading cause of home fire deaths. 
um, smoking materials. Was that like cigarettes yeah. and things like that? Or? Exactly. Wow. The majority of those are, are cigarettes. You know, you might have a cigar or things like that in there, but the majority of the the deaths related to uh, home fires is from cigarettes. Well, you know, and yeah. a lot of times it's people fall asleep, they drop the the cigarette in the in the cushion or on mm-hmm. bedding. Uh, we have seen a decline in the number of those deaths over the years. Uh, NFPA led an initiative a few years ago around Fire Safe Cigarettes, which was an initiative to get the manufacturers to make cigarettes that were less likely to cause fires if they were dropped in in bedding or furniture. And what they did was just make the paper on the cigarette thicker in spots so that it had thicker bands of paper. And if More you were actively... Yeah, if you weren't actively smoking it, they acted like a speed bump. Mm-hmm. So that has uh, contributed to reducing the number of cigarette-related fires. But, um, you know, the reality is you have a lit object. If you're not careful and you drop it somewhere, it, it, it could catch fire. So we still see that as, as the leading cause and of home fire death. The vapor I was um, going to say that has probably also helped push that number down because there's a lot of people smoking those vapors they, they don't smoke the vapors they, what do they do they inhale the vapors oh, do they? <laughs> yeah and yeah and we have fewer smokers these days uh, than there were years ago so that contributes to you know fewer smokers fewer fewer fires yeah and those stats are in too and that's a whole nother show smoking yeah. is not good for your health no i yeah. mean it's, yes. it's, so i've heard yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um well we only have a couple minutes left in this segment and we're going to get to maybe more about smoke alarms i'd like to learn more about some things that you guys are doing from an advocacy standpoint we'll talk more about that as well because i think that most people that are listening on the initial thought is well we're not going to have fire right well guess what you know the stats are in on that and one in every 320 households have reported a home fire this was between 2007 to 2011 Mm -hmm. so I mean, yeah, it, it may not happen to you, but the chances are pretty high that you're going to have something. And mulch you, fires. Yeah, you had one at your office. At my bridge, office. But you, and your boss, yes. for whatever reason, had a candle. That, that was well, supposed to be I your mean, previous company. Yes, it was a previous company, but you know they had the candles and the garland. It was beautiful. I'm sure it was beautiful. We all left there, and when we were gone, that's when it ignited. Exactly. Yeah, and that's the scary thought because those things can happen, and we don't want that to happen ever, but most especially this time of year. So we're going to continue this conversation right after these messages. Continue with us here on the Housing Hour. The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what is really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. Welcome back into the Housing Hour. This is Kevin Ray, your singing host. We're going to do the rest of this segment singing. (laughs) Rapping. Yeah, rapping. Well, thank you guys for joining us back here on the Housing Hour. We have Lorraine Carley, Vice President of Outreach and Advocacy for the National, and let me just get this right, it is the National Fire Protection Association. Lorraine, thanks again for joining us. 
Oh, you're welcome. Absolutely. We um, also wanted to point out, I thought this was kind of neat, because if you have, if you are out there, you're a firefighter, a teacher, a parent, or a caregiver, and you have a fire safety hero story, they would love to hear your story. You can go to the nfpa.org, and we're also going to put this link up on our website, and you can submit your story so that they can hear from you and use it for education and um, promoting and inspiring others. And do you get a lot of stories in on that, Lorraine? You know, we do. Uh, we get a lot of stories, plus we look at uh, news accounts on a regular basis, mm -hmm. and we hear about all of the great things that are going on, and we both want to promote those as well as you say, use them as teaching moments and learning opportunities in the community. Yeah, and I mean, there's certainly a plenty of opportunities um, considering what we've talked about thus far in our talk. And there's a lot of fires that happen. There's a lot of, unfortunately, a lot of casualties as a result and fatalities um, because of maybe... Um, a lack of information, a lack of education, whatever it may be, not to mention the $7 billion in direct damage in 2013. So I know that th this is a great organization that's really trying to spark some interest. Speaking of spark, you have Sparky <laughs> the dog, right, that is um, one of your characters. Talk to me. Mark had mentioned, you know, you guys do a great job helping to educate our youth, the young ones, the kindergartners, because it starts that young, doesn't it? It does. In fact, the younger children are our best deliverers of the message in that they hear about it in school, so they're great receivers of the message, but then they're great deliverers in that they go home and they're, they tell their parents or their caretakers, we need a home fire escape plan or we mm. need to check our smoke alarms. So there's a bit of a sweet spot for us in terms of education, and it tends to be kids from about preschool to second or third grade. That's and that's great. when they're most receptive to the message and carry it home to others. Now, do a lot of schools get involved with, like, the um, fire prevention week that you had, I guess it was, in October? That's right. And that is our busiest time of year, pretty much September and October, because kids are back at school from the, the summer break. Uh, teachers want to make sure that they know about fire safety in school. They're often having fire drills at school. But they also use October as a way to remind kids and bring materials home about how families can be safe at home. And so we do a lot of work uh, preparing information and messages that teachers can use in the classroom and that fire departments can use when they go into the classroom. Uh, fire departments across the country tend to use October as that uh, time to educate uh, different community groups, whether it's in the schools or bringing uh, people into the firehouse and open houses and that type of thing. And you, you use Sparky um, to kind of connect with these young ones. Um, how, how does Spark, Sparky, how is he used and how is he utilized? Because, I mean, I know Sparky from just when I was a kid, it seems like. I mean, you've been around yeah, 100, that's, that's, 100 years. That's great. Well, Sparky the fire dog actually will turn 65 in wow. 2016. So, Mark and uh, Sparky have something in common. He, he's no, looking really kidding. good for 65. In fact, oh, well, he probably looks better than he did 65 years ago. Because so, if we yeah. go through our archives and we look at pictures, he was kind of a mean-looking dog back then. <laughs> now he's more of a character. And, okay. You know, has more of a friendly look. He does wear firefighter turnout gear. 
but it's a great way to educate kids because it's a good entry point. You know, kids mm-hmm. are attracted to those uh, costumed characters, and he can deliver a message. And a couple of years ago, uh, we also introduced Sparky as a Muppet-style puppet. So yeah. that's another way for us to share the message in a way that kids are, are entertained, but they're getting some important safety message. So a lot of fire departments have costume Sparkies that they take out and to the community for different events. You'll often see him in parades and other kinds of festivals around town. Uh, Sparky has his own website, sparky.org, which has great activities for parents and kids, uh, again, to teach kids in a, in a fun and entertaining way some very important messages. And then he does public service announcements and videos and music videos and all kinds of things as a way, as we know today, kids are learning information in so many different ways that we're trying to make sure that we're keeping up and we're where kids are learning. So Sparky also has some e-book readers, some different stories. Um, He has some apps that uh, kids can download for free and and play along with Sparky and with trivia games and matching games. Uh, again, so that kids get the information in the formats that they're more comfortable with these days. It's, I love it. It seems like the, the kids could come back from these uh, training sessions and tra- uh, educational sessions from school and notice some deficiencies in a in a home. Like uh, if they only have your stat in the first segment mentioned that there was only one smoke detector in a house on the average or something similar to that. It seems like uh, I, I read somewhere it should be like in every room. Um, there should be a beep where you sleep. Okay, that's, that's a great. A, yeah, that's, a, that's a good one. So what we recommend is that there should be a smoke alarm on every level of your home, inside each bedroom, and outside each sleeping area. So our theme this year was hear the beep where you sleep. We want to make sure that people have smoke alarms in bedrooms. I hear a fire alarm going off. We do know a lot of fires happen during the evening hours. So you want that benefit of an early warning uh, by the smoke alarm. We also recommend that you have interconnected smoke alarms. Mm -hmm. That way if one sounds, they all sound. You've got a fire in your basement, but you may be asleep up in the bedroom. You want as much time as possible to be able to get out of your home. And let me give everybody a warning. This is just a PSA from Kevin Ray that you need to make sure the batteries are checked on a regular basis. There is nothing worse than waking up at 3 in the morning to that chirp. Now, I can sleep right through it. My dog, on the other hand, cannot. And it, will, it goes crazy. He, she goes crazy. So, you know, you need to set a schedule for the batteries because there's pretty much a life expectancy of a battery that you can put on the calendar and just automatically change it. No, don't worry and wait for that thing to start chirping because there's a, there's a calendar that you can, you can set. Right, Lorraine? That's right. And, yeah, we do recommend that you uh, check your smoke alarms every month. There's lots of ways that you can do that. You can have a calendar. You can have some other kind of alert system. But it does prevent you from hearing that chirp in the middle of the night at some point. Right. And a lot of times people use the change your clock, change your batteries. Mm-hmm. Uh, but really, once a year to change the batteries is enough. Sure. There are also now what we call long-life battery smoke alarms, which the battery has... Uh, the life of about the smoke alarm, which is approximately 10 years. So that's, that's another good alternative. 
And I was back to Sparky. We're running out of time in this segment. We have one more segment with Lorraine. Um, but there was another thing on that sparky.org. Great site. It's mm-hmm. very interactive. They have a lot of great things for you to be able to download. You've got activities. You have mobile apps. It's very, very nicely done. So great job on that site. And I recommend if you have kids and the ages, I mean, my daughter would like this. She's 10 years old. It probably what goes up to 11 or 12, would you say? Yeah, that that's about the right age, maybe mm-hmm. even a little on the younger side, but yeah. yeah. Maybe up to, to, to 10, somewhere in there. But it's great because all kids love to learn if you make it fun for them, and they love to be educated. And they, like you mentioned already, can be the the house, the, the, the home's best advocate for these type of things. And they will say, hey, what's our escape plan? We want to talk about that. What's going on with our um, smoke alarms? Why is there not a beep where I sleep? Those mm-hmm. type of things. Mm-hmm. So we're going to end our conversation in this next segment, and we have a lot more to cover with Lorraine right here on the Housing Hour. Join us right in a moment. Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what is really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. And it's not nice what I hear. <laughs> oh, Mark, you love it when I sing. Mm-hmm. Lorraine, that's not bad, is it? <laughs> As long as you don't ask me to sing, I think we'll be okay. <laughs> All right. You sound like you might be from the Boston area, Lorraine. Yeah. Is that? Are you from? We are in Boston, yes. Well, that's great. Well, we have a lot of family from up there, and um, it's a great area. And um, the reason that you got started with this, did, did you have? Because a lot of people I find that get are so passionate about this type of forum and education is that they had some experience revolving around what they're passionate about. Is that the case in your case, or is that just something that you love and are passionate about? Well, I do have a firefighter in the family, which I think ah. is typical of many people here at NFPA. Mm-hmm. And also, I think as, as a child, my mother was always fairly paranoid about fire, and I don't know, really know where that came from. So mm. we always say it's interesting. I ended up at NFPA and have a brother that ended up as a deputy fire chief in the wow. town that I grew up in. So I guess fire was in there somewhere. Yeah, and I have a cousin that lives up in um, Connecticut area, or Pennsylvania area, excuse me, um, who is a fire marshal, and, and he and I talked about his um, experiences. And, I mean, hey, it's something that – fire is something that we cannot really control necessarily. You know what I mean? It's, it's not kind of out of control. So the more that we can do to educate ourselves so that we can better, I guess, control what we can. It's an instinctive fear. It's an instinctive fear. It definitely yeah. is. Now, well, and I think that's a good point because once the fire starts, it, it is out of our control. So what we try to work on is preventing those fires because we do say that the majority of, of fires can be prevented by people being a little more aware and taking some very simple steps. You know, when we talked earlier about cooking fires and unattended cooking being the leading cause. So people just staying in the kitchen when they've got something on the stovetop, particularly if you're frying uh, or grilling something, mm-hmm. paying attention to what you're cooking, uh, that would reduce the fire problem by, by a good amount. 
Mark and I were talking off air about um, a couple of things, and one of the things is, like as an example, an escape plan. Um, having something, and kids, again, push this, this conversation, I think, because they're thinking, like my son and daughter, are on the second level of our home, and if there were to be a fire that prevented Pam and I to get up the steps, you know, we need to be able to tell them, here's what you guys need to do. And I'm just being transparent here. I don't have that right now, but I am going to put that into place. So talk to me a little bit about, first of all, how to create that. How do we go about doing that? And also Mark mentioned that some of the fire departments in our area do offer to come out and provide that service for us, as long as you've played, paid your volunteer fire department <laughs> cost. <laughs> but talk to me a little bit about that. Sure. You know, the home escape plan is pretty easy and it's great to get the kids involved in because that takes the, the fear element out of it if they feel like they've been involved in the process. Uh, the, our website and the sparky.org website actually has some floor plans or grids that mm -hmm. you can download and draw a floor, floor plan of your home. Yes. What you want to do is identify two ways out of each room. That way if one of those escape pass is blocked by fire or smoke you'll know what the alternative is mm -hmm. and then identify a family meeting place outside a safe distance away from the home so you don't want to identify your front porch as your meeting place but maybe the the mailbox or the telephone pole at the end of the driveway or your neighbor's front porch so that mm -hmm. you can make sure very quickly that you have accounted for everybody and then just practice it a couple of times a year uh, you can practice it by pushing the test button on your smoke alarm and have everybody do what they should do mm -hmm. uh, you can put obstacles in the way something that that acts like it's blocking your your exit so that mm -hmm. you have to use that second way out uh, so those are the things you want to think about in developing and practicing that home escape plan and all the materials for everybody out there are in multiple languages because if that is a concern and you know somebody that speaks Spanish and you'd love to get these materials to them, you know somebody that speaks German, you want to get these materials to them. These materials are in other languages, which is fantastic, Lorraine. Yeah, we've tried to make as many as we can in multiple languages. We've also done some that are for low literacy that are just pictures and diagrams so that people That's great. Uh, that... Uh, it could either be a language issue or some other issue. Those may be beneficial as well. So just trying to think of as many ways as possible to get the message across because we know it does make a difference. And you could have a very short time to escape if you have a home fire. So the better prepared you are, uh, the better off your, you and your family will be. Mm -hmm. Do most uh, communities have um, free smoke detector programs uh, I, I i've seen them advertised every now and again what do you what's your knowledge on that yeah there there are a lot of those programs out there so you can contact your local fire department to see if they have a smoke alarm giveaway program uh, i know the red cross is involved in a very big national effort to increase the usage of smoke alarms so they're going uh, town by town and in a lot of areas putting in smoke alarms so there are resources out there uh, that people can look into one of the striking statistics that i just read about the safety uh, safety tip and the escape plan is that while 71 percent of americans have an escape plan which i actually thought was a little high because i didn't think there would be that much 
um, 47% of those have, have practiced it. So we need to maybe get, make those numbers Higher. be similar. Um, and then also that one-third of American house, households who made an estimate, thought that they would have at least six minutes before a fire in their home would become life-threatening. And it's actually probably a lot less than that. Um, so talk about those statistics because I think that yeah. people think it's going to be, oh, well, I'll just, you know, go get the kids and we're going to get the dog mm -hmm. and we're going to get the pictures and we're going to, that's not the case. Yeah. Um, the reality, we used to say that you could have about six to eight minutes to escape a home fire, but today those numbers have been reduced uh, by quite a bit. Uh, we say that you could have as little as two or three minutes should a fire break out in your home. And what's contributing to that is a couple of things. One is the way homes are built today, uh, the very open floor plan, so you get a lot of air circulating when you have a fire, um, use of lightweight construction, which is very sturdy and uh, for the building process, but reacts very differently in a fire scenario, oftentimes collapsing much quicker. Mm -hmm. um, and then the things we put in our home. You know, we don't have those big overstuffed couches of natural fiber that generations before us had. Sure. Our homes are filled with a lot of synthetic materials that mm -hmm. burn very quickly. That's also going to cause, even if you get out of the fire, you're going to inhale all of that stuff, and that's not good either. Um, what do you recommend as far as this just came to my mind, but do you recommend that people have um, uh, the things to put out the fire? What are they called? Fire extinguishers. Fire extinguishers. Yeah. You know, we, we really stress making sure you have working smoke alarms, making sure that you develop and practice a home fire escape plan, and that you, if you have a fire, get out and stay out. Call mm -hmm. 911 from outside. Sometimes the danger with fire extinguishers is that people don't know how to use them. Yeah, so the time right. to learn isn't when you have a fire right. in your home. Yeah. And they're really meant for very small contained True. fires. So you've got a fire in a wastebasket. You know what to do. That's an appropriate use of the fire extinguisher. Gotcha. Um, if you've got a, a grease fire on the stove and you use a fire extinguisher, you, may, you run the risk of splattering those flames everywhere. Mm -hmm. That's uh, a good versus point. You know, being able to just slide, a, you know, turn off the heat, slide a lid on top of that pan. This is also just a small little um, suggestion for people that are listening. If you have important documents and you have important, um, maybe, different things that you want to get when you there is if there is a fire, it's probably a good idea to keep those in one place or in a fireproof safe. Right. Exactly. So that. You know, because the last thing you want to do if you hear the smoke alarm in your home is hunt around for things that you want to take with you. There is nothing more important than your life. That's right. So the priority is to get out quickly. And get that stuff on the, up on the cloud. Yeah, right. I you was going to say, you know, today we have stuff that exists in a lot of different places. You know, even photographs where years ago people would say, oh, but I lost so many photographs. Today, they tend to exist in a lot of different that's places. That's right. I've got mine up on Amazon, iCloud. Yeah. I got it up there. Um, you, that should be a part of your escape plan also, shouldn't it, the important stuff? Yeah, and just overall family planning of, you know, where do we keep our important stuff and mm -hmm. how do we make sure that, that it stays safe as well. And the kids need to know that, guess what, your life is more important than your Xbox downstairs or whatever. Exactly. I mean, they we know can that. We get another one of That's those. That's right. <laughs> I think that on the surface they know that, but in, in the heat of the moment, no pun intended, 
they yeah. they they think, well, I gotta I gotta go down and get that, you know. But you gotta you gotta follow the escape or plan. the pet. Well, yeah, the pet is the pet is very important. Um, yeah, you know, and and that's <laughs> but a you good don't go back point for the though pet. about about pets because people sometimes feel like they should go back and get their pets. Pets are really good at self rescue. That's if right. If everybody else is running out of the house. They're going to follow. They're going to follow you. That's right. Well, hey, Lorraine, we want to thank you so much for coming in today, joining us and helping our our listeners to educate themselves and hopefully some friends and family. So we have Lorraine Carley, Vice President of Outreach and Advocacy. Thanks again, Lorraine. Talk to you next time. Thank you. Take care. All right. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Guys, join us for this last segment right here on the Housing Hour. Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what is really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. I'm not even going to try to sing this one. This is a good one, though. You know who this is? This is Boys to Men, ABC, BBD, the East Coast family. Ooh, yes. That's yeah. good stuff. If right you got there. up that high, I'm running out of here. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> exactly. Well, guys, we want to just thank you for joining us here on this very important fire special. And it's been a great show. Lorraine has added um, a really nice piece to this um, kind of thought of education. And she's so well spoken and she's so knowledgeable. And um, we appreciate um, what she offered us today. And we hope that you take advantage of that and share it with your friends, your family. Um, your small group, people at church, whoever it might be to help protect them and maybe add a little bit of education to what is right now a very important issue. This month, she mentioned, hey, this is the month where we really see a boost in fire problems, and it may be something that you could prevent. And it's so easy to prevent because one of the things, one of the videos I saw on their website, I believe it was on their website, was uh, the fireman saying that he see more families being saved from the smoke detectors. Mm. And to not have a smoke detector in your house, in all the places that you sleep, and just as she outlined it, and you can look on the back of the, the smoke detectors at Home Depot, and mm-hmm. it'll show you where to lay these things out. But right. not to have these things is really irresponsible, I think. It's just irresponsible. Three of five fire deaths happen in homes with no smoke alarms. Three of five. Three of five. That's, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's, yeah, a, that's, that's crazy. a significant. We could reduce that number significantly, that 2,700 deaths. I mean, think about it. If you just yeah. use the same um, numbers, you could reduce that a lot. Eight deaths per day happen in America. And let me tell you something. A lot of people complain about the, uh, the, the irritation of having to replace the batteries, Please. the battery chirping. But let me tell you something. Out there now at Home Depot, you can find it's a little bit more expensive, but they have sealed battery smoke detectors mm-hmm. now, and they have both type of smoke detectors on. They're sealed batteries for 10 years. You hang it up, and when it chirps in 10 years, you replace the whole unit because you're supposed Every to be— Every re- 10 years. Because yeah. you're supposed to re- be replacing the smoke detectors— every 10 years anyway right, that's true another thing we didn't talk about which has nothing to do with this but while i'm thinking of it you also should have um carbon monoxide detectors oh, as well great, great because plan. i about died from carbon monoxide po- poisoning honestly and your and mother did too. yes we did and i mean there was no way to prevent that it was in a it was in like a mobile home but um 
or it was in a trailer a trailer. Yeah. So, I mean, you got to be careful with those type of things. I mean, it's very important to not just think about the fire piece of it, but also you have to think about carbon monoxide and you can, you can, I think you can buy smoke detectors that are a combination. You can. So and we've had Jack uh, Feldman, who is yeah. a home inspector, and yeah. he talks about um, when uh, gas heaters, mm-hmm. uh, gas uh, water heaters start to fail, they mm-hmm. can kick back carbon dioxide into the house. It can happen at several locations in the home if there's gas in it. Yeah, if that's you have, true. if you're combusting, uh, it can happen. So yeah, need one. that's a good point. I think that what, when she mentioned the kids, everybody um, thinks about hey, fire safety. We need to do this to save lives. But then when you start thinking about the kids, mm-hmm. you start thinking about the possibility of your child being hurt or harmed by a fire. And I know it's it's hard to even think about, but, mm. you know, they need to know that you can't play with certain things. You know, you need oh, to, I mean, there are so many things, you know, you might have matches, for instance, left over from start. I mean, we have, we have lighters and, and we don't smoke or anything, but we have to light the fire and things like that. Well, as a Boy Scout leader, we've, we discovered that some of the boys didn't know how to use matches because mm. they were never allowed to play with matches. Right. You guys so. learn, you guys, exactly. <laughs> you guys teach them we how to use shocked. sticks, right? Yeah. Isn't that yeah, what you guys do? No. We, we have other methods. Stick's not one of them. Yeah. But important information, and Lorraine sure hit it out of the park with us. Yeah. Um, and you guys can find more information about Lorraine and her organization, Lorraine Carley, Vice President of Outreach and Advocacy, right on our website, thehousinghour.com. And there's a very easy share button. So go to Facebook, share that with friends and family, go to Pinterest, go to Twitter, and do all that stuff because we're helping to help other people. That's really the key and the centerpiece of our show here. So also, we want to thank everyone for our four years of the housing hour our anniversary we just celebrated it thank you to to everyone who has participated and thank you to mortgage investors group but most importantly thank you to you and we'll see you next time right here on the housing hour that's the housing hour with kevin ray for today join kevin and his guests each week at this time to keep up with the why and why not you need to know so come here to find out This show is presented by Mortgage Investors Group.